to the Mastering College Podcast, a guide to landing your dream job. I'm your host, Daniel Botero, and my goal is to help you take away that fear of graduating without a job and instead teach you how to land your dream job. Welcome back to this episode of the podcast. Today, I have one of my favorite professors of all time. This person has influenced my life more than any other professional that I've ever met, Dr. Messiah. And I am so happy that she's here to share with the audience about branding and marketing because she is amazing at this. But I want to publicly thank Dr. Messiah, how much she's impacted my life from a professor standpoint, from a mentor, from a friend, and even from seeing from the outside how much she's impacted her students because she's been a role model of what I aspire to be, to be able to impact as many students as Dr. Messiah. I don't honestly think I can do that because she's just that amazing. But after you listen to this episode, you're going to see what I'm talking about. So without further ado, Dr. Messiah, how are you today? Good, good. Thank you, Daniel. I'm so glad to be able to sit down and talk with you. (laughs) Dr. Messiah, for the 0.0% of students that don't know who you are, tell tell them a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, if, if you Google me, you'll see all these other things, but I'll tell you what's important to me. Okay. Uh, I am a professor here at UCF. I've been here for 13 years and I came here through a very rough and, and, and varied road. I'm a first generation student. I still say I am a first generation student because I hope I never lose that mindset of that struggle, uh, in order to achieve my first college degree. And so I, I am, though I, I was fortunate enough to receive all three of my degrees, my bachelor's, my master's, and my PhD. What's most important to me still, which is the ring that I wear, is my bachelor's degree uh, because it meant so much for me, for my family, and then also for every student who's the other side of the classroom who thinks maybe they can't. I show them they can. And so that's probably the important thing about me. I I don't really need to talk about any accolades or anything because that's not really the most important thing to me. So, so Dr. Messiah, what, what do you think makes you so different? Because every time I talk to any student, if I say what has, who has been the most influential person here at UCF, your name comes up every single time. What do you think that is? Okay. So when you look at our job description as a professor, uh, we have three requirements we have to fulfill. <clears throat> research, uh, we're a research one institution, so definitely research. Uh, teaching, going into the classroom and, and professing about our, our chosen discipline, mine's being marketing, and then service. The way our weights work, for most of us who are on a research track, it's, it's 60% research, uh, 30% teaching, and then the last 10% is service. Uh, I, on the other hand, I probably, and, and not to brag or anything, but I, I try to live a servant's life. I try to live a servant's life and what I do with my own family, what I do with others, but even more importantly, I try to live a servant's life with my students. And so... That's probably why when a student says, well, Dr. Messiah, can you help? If there's a way I can help, I'm going to figure out a way. 
Uh, it's probably why I, I go above and beyond. I think, uh, you know, years from now, they may never remember the four P's of marketing. It'll break my heart, but they, <laughs> they may never remember that. But hopefully they remember that I made them feel like they were more than. Uh, and so that's it. I, I, I truly approach this profession as my service and a life of, of being a servant. You do an amazing job at it. And so it currently, every student has to take a marketing course. So you teach yes. that class. So yes. you, you probably, at one point or another, every college of business student goes through your class. And I have heard a lot of rumors about students changing their major <laughs> to marketing after taking your class. And so that's leading me to my question of why did you decide to go into marketing as a professor or even as a career? So, and I always tell this story because then it, it lets students know that it's okay to change your major because you truly might not have chosen the first time around. So, so if you, you'll humor me, I'm going to tell you a little bit of how I, ch- I got to marketing. Uh, I actually started out as a chemical engineering major. Okay. Uh, I grew up in Delaware, which is home to DuPont, DuPont being a top chemical engineering company. They had a program in high schools for gifted minority students. And basically throughout that whole program, I was told I was going to, I was great for chemical engineering. I was a first generation student. No one in my family before me had gone to college. So I thought, well, they must know. So I'm going to be a chemical engineering student. Honest to goodness. So I went to, I started at another university, University of Delaware, uh, my home state school. And I'll never forget that first week. I was in honors organic chemistry, and our lab met on Saturday mornings. Saturday mornings. They must have thought, honors students, chemical engineering, we have no life. So, well, we really didn't. But <laughs> they were right on that. And I, this is my first inkling. I probably wasn't in the right major. You have to sit in this lab, and you pour this gel, this fluorescent gel, And you have to wait two to three hours for it to harden so you can move on to the next part of the experiment. So I'm sitting there next to this other kid and I'm thinking, well, we're sitting here. Let's talk. Let's get to know each other. We have time. They're looking at me like I am talking gobbledygook. And they're like, why is she making conversation? That was my first inkling. I probably was not in the right major. But I thought, well, no, that's what I was told. I'm going to be chemical engineering. Then this is why I always push students to do internships. I did an internship at a polymer lab. And every day I would go home going, I cannot do this the rest of my life. So I came back to school. I went to my advisor and I said, I can't do this. She said, well, what else are you interested in? I said, well, I love reading. And so she said, well, try English. And then I said, okay. And I went to my first English class. And then I thought, okay, no, I really love reading as a hobby. No, this is not my profession. One of the intro classes I took was intro to marketing. And I remember sitting in that class, and it was a phenomenal professor. And I hope one day I can be half of the professor that he was to us. But most importantly, I always say this. If you're in a class, and after the class, you want to go and tell someone what you were learning in class that day and go, did you know? Did you know? Then that's probably the major for you. And for me, that was that class. I would go home saying, did you know how much psychology is involved with marketing? Did you know how much we do things in groups when we decide to buy or not buy something? And from then on, it was in the books. That's how I ended up with marketing. Well, (laughs) I I didn't know that story about you. I didn't even know that you at one point were not a marketing major in a sense. Um, So very interesting point. And to even think about how you even said, if you are in a class and you go and share 
with your friends or family members about the class that you're in the right spot. I would agree. I think that's how I feel about just business overall. I, I love business. And so is there anything that you would, if you were to go back in time when you were doing your bachelor's degree, that you would do differently based on what you know now? Wow, that's a good question. If I had not started out chemical engineering, I would not have met um, my first husband, the yeah. father of my children. If I would have made a different choice, I wouldn't have been in physics lab and I would not have met him. And I would not have had the two amazing young men, my sons. So I probably wouldn't want to change anything. Also, you know what? If I had not been chemical engineering, almost failed out of that, gone through those changes, then I would not have been able to sit in my desk when students come to me and say, I don't know, maybe I'm not meant to be finance. Maybe I'm not meant to be marketing. Then I wouldn't be able to talk to them and, and tell them my own story and be able to show them you eventually end up where you need to be. So I probably don't want to change any of that. Everything probably most likely happened the way it was supposed to happen. So yeah. you appreciate the lessons and everything that's happened that's made you to build the person that you are now. Absolutely. Every time you think this is not go not going the way it's supposed to go, you're learning something. Yeah. You're learning something or there's something occurring. As a chemical engineering major, I had to take a physics lab. My The father of my, my two sons uh, was electrical engineering. He had to take a physics lab. Uh, if, if I hadn't yeah. been an engineering student, I wouldn't have been in that physics lab, would not have met him. So. Well, I, I love your answers. So I want to learn a little bit more about something that you talk a lot in the College of Business, is, and that is brand you. Can you explain what that is and what that means? Yeah. So every person, there's no one else like you. There's one Daniel Botero. There's one Daniel Botero. There's one Carolyn Messiah. Actually, there is another Carolyn Messiah name, but there's one Professor Carolyn Messiah. I was say, I Googled, there's another <laughs> yes, Daniel Yes, she, she's a judge in Philadelphia, <laughs> but I beat her to the LinkedIn, though. So I got the LinkedIn. <laughs> so here's the thing. This is why I say this. When students arrive here, um, most of the time, 70% of my students in my Intro to Marketing class, uh, they're not only new to the college, they're new to the university. They're, they've just transferred from one of our state colleges, right? So they are in complete shock to begin with. One of the things I want them to understand, though, is they do not want to get to two, three years down the road, cross that stage, being a generic college business student graduate. And I relate it to marketing and to brands. So you think about, and anyone listening, think about this, Coke, Nike, if I ask you, do you want a soda? You're going to tell me, I want Coke, I want Pepsi, I want Mountain Dew. You don't say, I want a cola beverage or I want a green fizzy beverage. You, you ask for it by name. If I ask you, I'll buy you a pair of sneakers, what do you want? You're going to tell me Nike, Adidas, Reebok. You're going to name a brand. You're not going to say, I want a white pair of sneakers with black stripes. You're very specific about brand. How do you know those brand names? Those companies, Coke, Nike, Apple, they have taken very conscientious efforts to develop and keep that brand name active in the marketplace, in the consumer's eyes. Those are multi-billion dollar brands. The thing is, is that every college business student, if you look at your lifetime earning from the time you graduate uh, to the time you retire, you're going to make millions. That makes you a multi-million dollar brand, okay? Now, are you going to sit back, not do anything with it, and have yours be the generic brand on the shelf? 
No, because when companies come here to ask for to recruit students, they don't say, just give me any generic student. They say, I'm looking for an accounting student that has this, 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 and this activities. I'm looking for a marketing student that's involved in AMA, in professional selling program, has been involved with the business fraternity Delta Sigma Pi. They are looking for a specific brand, brand you. Each one of these students are multi-million dollar brands. But the only way you're going to be brand capital U, capital Y-U, is if you do those conscientious efforts. You can't just roll out of bed and be brand you. You have to take advantage of the networking opportunities at school. You have to not just be a seat warmer in the class. Plenty of students, and particularly we're the largest college business in the country now, plenty of students have come along and warmed those seats. Don't just be a seat warmer. Be someone that even in a class of 1,200, your professor knows your name. People think, well, I came to UCF, and particularly when they transfer from state colleges, they're like, I'm just a number. I'm just a number. Yeah, you could, Coke could have just said, I'm just making a cola. They didn't do that. They made certain that people know Coke, their name. Every single student, no matter the size of your college, no matter the size of your class, you can be that same brand you. But you have to work on it. You have to develop it. You have to take action. Don't just be a seat warmer. Wherever you are, don't be a seat warmer. Be brand you. So how does a student start building their brand? Like, how much of that starts with first discovering what is it that they want to be known as? Okay. So it starts with, first of all, taking a, a, a full 360-degree look at yourself. So in marketing, we have what is called SWOT analysis. Mm-hmm. Okay. What does that stand for? Strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So when McDonald's started to say, well, you know what? We're going to come after Starbucks in the coffee market, and they developed McCafe. They looked at our strengths. We already have distribution, the drive through They looked at their weaknesses. We don't really have a brand. It can't be McDonald's coffee. We have to rebrand it. They looked at their opportunities. We can get it out of the window cheaper than Starbucks can. And they looked at the threats, the, the economy. Okay, students need to do the exact same thing. Sit down, because you're a company. You are a brand. Sit down. What are your strengths? One of the things that college students underestimate themselves in is their strength, their knowledge in technology. Right now, at this point, if they're a college student, they know more about technology, social media, than any other generation before them. That's a wonderful strength. A weakness? Writing. Writing, writing, and writing, (laughs) okay? Um, Opportunities, all of the wonderful career services, the networking events, the registered student organizations, threats, the person to the left and the right of them. So sit down, do a full 360, do a SWOT analysis of yourself and start from there. How can I make sure I maintain my strength? How can I make sure I shore up my weaknesses? How can I make certain I take advantage of the opportunities? How can I make certain I can be proactive about the threats? But it all begins first with being completely honest with yourself. Have others help you with that. Maybe not your mom. Your your mom's always going to be like, oh, baby, you're just the best at everything. Okay? But let's go past the mom. But people around you, ask for honest, constructive criticism to get at particularly those weaknesses um, so that you know your SWAT. Yeah. That's where it starts. You have to know yourself. 
So I have a couple questions based on what you just shared. Mm -hmm. Do you suggest them taking different personality tests like the DISC or uh, the Briar, the Briars, I'm saying it wrong. Yeah, Myers-Briggs. Myers-Briggs, yeah. yeah. Hey. So DISC, Myers-Briggs, and then here's a really simple one to take, which people underestimate, but if I had listened, I probably would have never started as chemical engineering, and that's what colors your parachute. So back in high school, I took this um, this test. What color is your parachute? And it, it tells you, oh, you should be in this career. You should be in this career. Mine's, I'll never forget, junior year I took it, and it told me I should be in either sales or teaching. And I said, I'm not going to be sales. I'm not going to be teaching. I'm going to be an engineer. The, what color is your parachute is pretty on. Yeah. <laughs> pretty on point. Well, yeah. My second question was, um, you talked about, if you're in college now, that you know more about technology than any other generation. And when I think about social media being a big part of branding for companies, that still has a lot to do with personal branding as well. So what is your advice on personal branding for students, right? Multi-million dollar brands when it comes to social media. Okay, so when Coke thinks Pepsi did something completely wrong... Coke does not get on their Twitter or their Facebook or Snapchat and say, this company sucks, they did this, they did that. Instead, they are always positive and they tell what they've done well. Why do I mention that? Uh, that's how most of um, the college students um, approach their social media, as though they should say everything they're thinking. Um, here's a good rule of thumb. And as much as people say, well, it's my private social media, I shouldn't be judged for it. Well, read the headlines. It will come back to haunt you somewhere. If you post anything, and this is what I use with my own private, quote unquote, uh, Facebook um, and Instagram. If I can't print that out, anything I post on social media, if I can't print it out, put it in a frame and put it on the desk while my boss is talking to me and have them look at it, I'm not putting it on social media. Yeah. And so I think I always think about everything that I post, it's either hurting or helping my brand. Mm -hmm. And so I have to make a conscious decision about what is this post going to do and how does this match up with the perception that an image that I'm trying to build. Yes. So I always go back to, and, and we were having this conversation earlier, uh, if someone hears Dr. Messiah, I want them to think, Wow, that woman, go to her. If you have a problem, go to her. Help her out. Um, she really cares about people. She cares about her family. Um, she's a faith-driven woman. Uh, and you know what? If you look at my social media, that's exactly what it tells you. Because that's real and that's me. But it's going to be in a positive, helpful way. You're exactly right. Uh, so take note from those companies that are managing their brands and what they do and don't mm -hmm. do. And approach yourself the same way. Uh, no matter how private you think your social media is, it is not. And and so approach social media the exact same way. Perfect. Uh, one thing I want to talk a little bit about as well is what I think of myself might not be the same image that I'm letting others see. So how do you as a student make sure that what you think of yourself and what other people are seeing matches? Yeah, so the first thing you want to think about is um, – have once again this is why you always need an accountability partner okay and and it can be a, a, a best friend it could be a fraternity brother it could be but you need an accountability partner you also need a mentor 
okay, who can then say, oh, Daniel, I saw that post. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's not really in line with who you want to be. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is why everyone needs an accountability partner so that you, you're willing and capable of taking those words because as much as we all think, think, think we can make the best decisions about our, our social media posts, there's always that one time, you know. And so you need that person to see it and then immediately text you or go, take it down, take it down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's probably one of the best things you can have is an accountability partner that knows, okay, they'll say something to you and you're yeah. like, okay, yeah, if they said it, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's the best way to make certain that you have someone that says, that's not really who you want to be. That's not really who you are. Take that yeah. down, you know. So everyone needs that accountability partner. <laughs> what else do you cover or teach students when you're talking about brand new that we have not covered so far? Yeah. So one of the things I'll tell them is get on LinkedIn as soon as they can. And not just get on LinkedIn, but be active on LinkedIn. But here's another thing. It goes back to a student says, well, what should I be posting? Do, follow the 80-20 rule in any of your um, posts on LinkedIn at this point. They're at a point in their lives where this is what it should be. 80% should be sharing on something they've seen. Uh, and this goes back to what image do you want to maintain? So, well, you know, I push students to read the Wall Street Journal because I believe, I believe, I believe in that. And so if you're following Wall Street Journal and you see a great article and you're a marketing person or you're an accounting person and you see a great article related to accounting or marketing, then share it on on your LinkedIn. Great article on lifetime value. Great article on customer satisfaction. Then what's that saying? One that's saying, wow, this person keeps up on, on business press. And two, he or she really wants other people to know what's going on. So that already. So 80% of the time you should be sharing. The other 20% of the time you should be telling about what you've done. You should be your strongest promoter. People say, well, that's bragging. Well, Coke doesn't say, yeah, we're kind of a good soda. They <laughs> say, so we're the number one global soda brand. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so you have to promote yourself. It's one of the four P's, promotion. You have to, if you built the product, you're at the right price in the right place, make sure you promote. Uh, so so that other 20% should be making certain people know the accomplishments you've, you've okay. done. So I know you have a son right now that's um, at, a, at a university, FSU. Mm-hmm. What advice do you give him to make sure that he's successful while he's in college? Okay, so just last night he called me. He's He's an econ major. And just last night he called me and he, he was stressed. He has two big exams coming up. And he said to me, I don't really know if I'm supposed to be at college. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like everyone else is, is just getting it, getting it, getting it. Here's the thing I'm going to tell every college student. This is what I told him. No, that means they're really good at acting. They're really good at acting. Okay. Every student who's sitting beside you and looking as though they got it going on, they're looking at you going, wow, they look like they got it going on. Let me pretend too. Okay. So everyone's putting on a really good mask. We're all struggling. It's just Some have gotten really good at putting on a really good mask. So don't take their really good mask and think they've really gotten it down and you're behind. Yep. Um, it's just you're being true and honest. But that's not just college, though. That's You're exactly right. right. But if you learn it in college... 
then you'll feel yeah. a lot less stressed when you get into the workplace. Yeah. Okay. Um, right now, even as a, a professor here, a senior professor here, I know every day when I go, oh my gosh, let me make my list of things I have to do. And looks like everyone else has it going on. Then I have to check my own self and say, no, no, no. They just are really good at yeah. pretending. <laughs> just like I get really good at pretending. <laughs> do you think that social media has amplified that? Oh, yes. We get to see the highlight reels of everyone. Right. We get to see the the most positive things, Um, even whether it's a college student or whether it's a a corporate America person. We don't go on saying I have three projects due tomorrow and I really don't think I'm going to be able to get it done. And people are going to think I'm a failure because I couldn't get it done. But there's only one of me. No, instead, we get through that very long night. We don't sleep. We get it done, whatever. And then we post, oh, my gosh, I rocked on this project. That's how I do it. (laughs) <laughs> we get to see the highlight yeah. reels of everyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, earlier you talked about that you do some research. What do you do? What What do you focus your research on? And what are some of the things that you've uh, learned in your last couple of research projects? Well, one of the things I do research on is identities. So that's why I, I talk a lot about masks. And it's 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 the identity. Every day we carry multiple identities, sometimes simultaneously. So I'll give you an example of my own life. I wake up in the morning and I'm immediately wife and mother, okay? Uh, I get in my car and I'm doing that switch from wife and mother to Dr. Messiah. Uh, Then, depending upon where I am, I'm either Carolyn, a colleague, I'm Dr. Messiah, a professor, I'm faculty advisor. Uh, All through the day, though, I'm African-American woman, which is just two whole identities in itself in business. and so depending upon what identity you have at what point during the day or what point during your life, you'll react to things differently. Um, and if the more you become aware of what identity you have on or what identity is more salient to you, the more you'll understand why you're reacting to something. And it's also the more you can, I won't say control, but maintain uh, your, um, your persona uh, the more you know what identity is active at the time, okay? And it's funny because I say I leave mother at home, but that's really not true because I'll have a student step into my office during office hours, and this was last week. I think within an hour I had two students crying, uh, which is why I always keep that tissue box right there. Uh, and it's because, and it's funny because one student, it was completely not about class it's about something going on at her job and she was stressed about it and she's like and someone said you should go talk to messiah you should go talk to messiah and on staff psychologist and yeah (laughs) and it was funny because when she left she's like i swear you're like my mom away from mom so i guess i really don't even leave mother at home so (laughs) so i have a question for you um i think when we're little kids do you think oh i guess my question to you as when we're children do we have multiple masks or multiple identities or we just do a better job at you just yourself, you don't know any better? I think kids are probably the greatest thing ever because they are completely honest without gal. They haven't learned to put on a mask yet. By 12 or 13 middle school, uh, middle school, yeah. that's, I think, about the time when they start to realize I need to be... I need to be popular person. I need to be jock person. I need to be smart person. I need to be... Um, this or that, and then um, uh, high school definitely yeah. continues on. 
And then college, you think about it because in high school, you were probably one of the smartest kids. And then you get to college and everyone else was the smartest kid too. And all of a sudden it's a whole new game again and you have to relearn. So, Do you think that as later on in our lives, do we try to go back into making sure that we only have one identity again? Is that a cycle that you see? Yeah, I love going to talk to my mom and hear my mom and her friends. They do this quilting group together and I love watching them talk because that's my dream is to make it to old age and be an old age woman and someone's like, what do you think of this outfit? And be like, honey child, you know you shouldn't be wearing that. (laughs) (laughs) You need to leave that back in the closet where you found it. (laughs) I want to get to that age again where you can just say whatever the heck you want to say. So... That's so interesting. Well, Dr. Messiah, we've already been speaking for about almost half an hour now, and you've given so much great content, you know, about brand new. We talked about identity. We talked about advice that you would give um, your own children when it comes to college. But if a student listening to this right now could only take away one thing from this podcast, what would you hope that would be? So one of the other uh, quotes, and I'll paraphrase, that I, I live by and I think everyone should, and it, it will strengthen your brand. It certainly has done that for me because it's just who I am. And it's Maya Angelou. And Maya Angelou says, people will forget what you said to them. People will forget what you did, but they'll not forget how you made them feel. That's probably the strongest building of your brand is when you walk away from someone, they go, I feel like more than. That's the strongest thing you can ever do for your brand is is when someone and when you walk away from a conversation or an interaction with them, they feel better because of it. They'll forget really anything you said to them, but they're like, "Wow, I felt better because I talked to her yeah. or to him." Yeah. Wow, I I remember you saying that multiple times before, and and every time that I hear it, it's like that's the key. It is it is really not what I say or anything. It's really how I make people feel, and um, again, impacting my life. Yet again, Dr. Masai, you're amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And everybody else, see you guys in the next episode. If you've listened thus far to this episode of the podcast, you absolutely rock. But now I need your help. Please make sure you subscribe and leave me a review. Thank you so much and talk to you soon.